Welcome to the I Believe Podcast, an Acure Insight production, brought to you by Castle Biosciences. I'm your host, Danae Peterson, a fellow ocular melanoma survivor. Here on the podcast, we'll be sharing information and insights on treatments, research, and living with ocular melanoma. Castle Biosciences tests are designed to provide clinicians precise and personalized tumor information for the benefit of patient care. If you would like more information about how Castle is transforming the treatment of eye cancer, visit castletestinfo.com. Our next speaker, and this is about finding wellness through meditation with Ann Osborne. Just to briefly introduce you to her if you have never met her before. Um, Anne is the author of our book that you can find on Amazon as well as our website called Coping with Ocular Melanoma, a Toolbox. Um, and she grew up in the shadows of OM because her mother actually passed away from ocular melanoma. Uh, 40 years after that fact, she was diagnosed with a class two ocular melanoma diagnosis as well. Uh, she has spent her career in human services and is trained as a psychotherapist. And she is here to talk to us about meditation. So we're so glad she's here. Heads up, we were planning to have some slides for her, and due to some unforeseen technological crazy, we don't have those slides, and she has been gracious enough to continue her session, no slides, so we're just gonna get to experience this without the guidance of slides. It'll be perfect, it'll be great. So it's gonna be exactly how it was meant to go, and we just are grateful for you guys, for your patience. So thanks, Anne, for being here. Thank you. Well, this is very creative. They just now told me I had no slides. <laughs> so um, actually, is, there's Kleenex on the table somewhere. If somebody could get me one, it would be great. You can just toss it. Thank you. Don't have <laughs> I don't either. OK. All right, so uh, as I settle myself down, it, this is kind of ironic because I almost like copied off my slides and I thought, oh, I don't need to do that. It'll be right here. And they came, brought me in here yesterday and said, look how big of a screen, because I was worried about whether or not I was going to be able to read it, right? So I can read it. Um, <laughs> OK. So I have a uh, poem that I wanted to start this out on. What we're going to be talking about today is meditation. <clears throat> and Meditation, I really just want to assure all of us, is an activity that does not necessarily have any spiritual implications. So if you're concerned about, some people get concerned, well, how can I be Christian and practicing that modality and bring in anything related to Buddhism? We can separate out the Buddhism from the actual activity of meditation. So the poem. This is by a gentleman named Nayaria. Wahid, and it's very short, and I'll repeat it twice. If the ocean can calm itself, so can you. We are both salt water mixed with air. If the ocean can calm itself, so can you. We are both salt water mixed with air. So slide one. <laughs> OK, so I also wanted to do kind of an overview. Um, I know Jack has met my husband, Len. Uh, Len and I um, have a new puppy. And I noticed uh, Tuesday night when we were in puppy class with a very big puppy, who's less than four months old, that Len has one way of dealing with puppy training, and I have another. And I bet you can already experience what my approach is. Len is like, well, she almost sat down, and she is kind of looking at me, so she gets a treat. And I'm like, no, butt has to hit the floor. I got to write out how many times I'm going to do this, and it's going to be scheduled, and we're going to do this, that, and the other. So, the other way of looking at this, and this is about meditation, is uh, our cooking styles. Len does not cook by uh, recipe. He just kind of sees what's in the refrigerator and what's out on the counters, puts it all together, and it's fabulous. No recipe. 
I, on the other hand, am a baker, precisely measuring everything. All to say that how we all walk into whether or not we're going to practice mindfulness exercises or meditation is to give yourselves a break, to recognize that it's a slow start, that the brain and the mind have lots of reasons why I need to go answer the phone, I need to mop that kitchen, I need to take the clothes in off the line. There's always going to be a reason not to do these kinds of activities. So the definition of wellness requires us to take responsibility for our health, find a purpose and meaning for living. I have a nice lengthy one-page handout to give you at the other end that lists out everything related to wellness that actually complements very well what the earlier presentation was. For our purposes, our focus today, just for this one hour, is on meditation, on gratitude, and on metta. So the outcome goal is to remove impediments that we may have within ourselves, optimize innate tendencies towards health, and create an inner sense of harmony, lining up our body, mind, and soul. The complementary alternative medicine interventions that, was, that were spoken of earlier, meditation skill is the strongest influence on supporting the measures that we were exploring. Harvard study was done. I don't have the citation, but it showed up. I was pleased and surprised to see that. Over and above, rest and relaxation, socializing, social support. My slides have been found. Okay, thank you. <laughs> this is kind of feeling like a European trip. What country are we in and what day is this? Thank you very much. Okay, so there's different types of um, meditation. There's transcendental meditation where somebody's given a mantra to repeat over and over. There's Zen, which I tried Zen at one point. It, it didn't do anything for me. It's about facing a wall. And I explained to one of my Zen friends that all the paint on the wall, I'd be making characters and stories out of them, not focusing. Um, the type I follow is Vipassana. It's a very common, popular one nowadays. There are guided and unguided approaches. These reinstate the sense of control to you. So many of you have heard me say that when I'm in the scan machine, that's the time that I do meditation, just because I don't want to be in my thoughts and I don't want to be in fear. So the wellness and holistic approach is to influence the mental processes. These actually have a regulating effect on our immune system. Through the past years, you've t heard me talk about how important it is to keep that range of overactivation of the sympathetic nervous system and be able to willingly pull up the progressive, the sense of the uh, parasympathetic nervous system so that we can widen that sense of activity to be able to rest. Mindfulness, the NIH definition, is the natural human state in which a person focuses on the present moment. Mindfulness-based practices is an umbrella term. It includes mindfulness-based interventions, meditation, yoga, where we stretch and do a pose, and we're focused on our breath, but we're not thinking. Qigong, it's, a, it's like Tai Chi. It's a movement practice. Um, basically, they call it a, a meditation in movement. The key is to understanding our relationship between our thoughts, our body, and the awareness of our body. The goal is to become less reactive to the external circumstances and our thoughts and feelings. The hope and prayer is that we're able to carry whatever we're doing through our sit out into the everyday living. So that when somebody um, drives really fast past you, you're not flipping the bird off and yelling at them. 
noticing what one feels and aids in emotional regulation and eliciting that self-awareness. Okay, thank you. So first learned in recent research, um, the important piece around uh, our approach to going into mindfulness uh, meditation, I didn't realize this, and I'm very grateful for whoever it was that named the title of this talk for me, because I thought, oh, wellness, I, got, I better look this up and see what it is that they're referencing. And I found several articles that apparently people have an intention that we need to be clear that we're separating out. There are groups of people who are going into meditation as an open um, acceptance approach to meditation so that they can experience whatever's going on in the here and now with a sense of curiosity. And there's a group of people who are going in with a sense of control strategy. I'm going to control my negative thoughts. I'm going to control my worrying. I'm going to control whatever the stories are. And meditation doesn't work that way. The importance about why I'm bringing this up at the beginning of the talk, and I look so serious about it, is that we found through the uh, studies is that people who are trying to push that material down and move it aside instead of opening themselves up to it are actually causing harm to themselves. You're actually literally creating neurons in your brain to continue to fight with this material as opposed to sitting back, being curious, and watching what's going on. When I have material that comes up when I'm sitting, that information can tell me if I've got lots of racing thoughts or um, I just my body is just like moving around more, then I carry that information as kind of a barometer for the rest of the day to watch, to go, oh, okay, I'm going to be a little more reactive. Let's be less reactive, right? Let's pull that back. So does that make sense? Yeah, okay, good. Don't do it. Um, the other thing I was going to ask before all these changes kept happening is how many people in here actually meditate? Oh, good. Good, good, good. Good on you. Maybe you'll be willing to talk to other people and share. So um, acceptance. Let me see. Where am I? The acceptance is an adaptive emotional regulation strategy that includes the willingness to experience unpleasant feelings and sensations without struggling to change them. The feeling tone, this is a, a strategy that um, some of the teachers use is to name the feeling that you're observing as pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. And, and it's well, it, it serves me to be able to give that information to you. People that I ran this across, they said, now it's too advanced. But what you're doing when you're labeling something like that, I'm thinking, 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 feeling, 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 uh, this feeling is unpleasant, neutral, or uh, pleasant, you're developing that observer self to give that more training so that when you need that intuitive information to be coming out, it'll be there. So that's what that's doing. A line that apparently Sam Harris, who's a, a teacher, gave a line the other night when I was in a meeting that he said that when I'm feeling really, really sad, the observer self is not feeling sad. And so that, that really has a hook for me that, oh, not all of me is sad to be able to watch the process instead of be in it helps to untangle the stories that we build. So I thought, I think our, the person earlier did a grounding exercise. So I can describe it. We don't need to do it because he already did it. Um, the grounding exercise is basically looking around the room and naming off uh, four objects inside yourself that you can identify, like the lamps, the curtains, the shades. 
naming off three things that you can hear, the sounds outside, the chatter that on someone's phone, the movement around the room, two things that you can feel, whether it's the clothing on your body or I can't tell if you're motioning something to me or not. OK, thank you. Um, or feeling your feet on the ground. So that's a grounding exercise. The whole point of the grounding exercise is to bring yourself in to the here and now and being present. This is also really good to do when, when I'm going to see the doctor. When I'm already activated and I'm trying to be as cool as a cucumber, I just calm myself down. But I use these strategies on an ongoing basis. That's the key. You have to keep practicing them so that when you really need them, there's already a long suit there for them. OK, so we've got the mindfulness regulation. So this is an activity that we're going to take a minute for. And I want you to notice where your breath lives, whether it's right here as the breath enters the nose, goes into the nares of your nose, if it lives in the back of your throat, if it's living in your chest where, it's, where your focus of attention is, and some people will do the belly. So as we do that, I don't know how to turn on the video. So this is a very short video, and what it's going to show is just movement across the screen. And what you're doing as you do it, if we're able to get that up, is being able to focus and watch that you're not thinking, that you're not making a story out of it. It's about being able to just be in the experience. OK, sounds like we're going to go for it. There we go. Awesome. Hands uncrossed. Take three deep breaths. Breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth. Breathing in, breathing out. Breathing in, breathing out. Now we are going to practice a mindfulness activity called Mindful Eyes. Look at the various objects around you. Notice their shape, their color, their texture. Now notice the space between them, the light and the shadows the brightness or darkness of the surrounding space. Maybe even notice something you have never seen before. Now take one last breath, breathing in, breathing out, and slowly return to the room. Thank you. So I'm going to, I have like three slides that we're just going to kind of move through. The whole point of these slides is to keep the awareness on details. What you're doing to be able to supplant these um, little activities throughout your day so that you're practicing mindfulness in 30 seconds or 
less than a minute. So brushing your teeth, calming yourself before you're answering the phone, um, noticing the scent of the toothpaste, our phone, the different sounds of it, the walking I'll get to in a minute. Taking time, it's important to set a date with yourself, making an appointment. What I found um, when I'm wanting to pick up a new habit, such as one of these, is to mark it across my calendar, whether it's on my phone or in paper, just so that I'm getting it done and there are periods of time, as many of you have noticed yourselves perhaps, is that I may be going through something where I'm kind of very, very busy, but I found that taking 10 minutes or five minutes and just sitting down, then I feel like I've fulfilled the actual event. Right now I'm working on 30 to 45 minutes on a daily basis and I can give and take. If it's only 20 minutes or it's 13 minutes, that's good, I did it. So it's about giving yourself the opportunity to be successful. Here, this is outside. Um, I'm in a couple of different meditation groups and I kind of chuckle to myself, I can say this here, I can't say it to them. Um, a lot of people think that you have to be in a really quiet, place in order to be able to meditate. But in fact, how they train the monks in Thailand and in other places, they actually take them out of their little forest and they put them on buses that are commuting and they have to be able to meditate on the bus and they are able to. So we don't necessarily have the best of the circumstances, it's what we decide to do with it. So avoid those expectations, make short sessions. So the counting thing, um, having lots of techniques in your toolbox, I find very helpful. One of the tricks that I was taught early on was counting backwards and that if I missed a number, then I had to start over. It was a way to focus. Then he added counting backwards by threes. Well, you think at the beginning, that sounds really simple, except when you, is it 93 or 91, or is that 87? What number is that? And then you get to start over again, because you're thinking, 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 instead of keeping it. Um, I, as many of you know, um, I have worked with firefighters and police officers where they have got a very activated neurological system, and they are revved up to beat the band. And for them to have to sit down and meditate is very difficult for them. They've, you know, they're just wired to constantly be hearing for everything. And so the analogy, ironically, is like a puppy with a pee pad. We don't use pee pads in our house, but the analogy works that you just keep bringing the puppy back to the pee pad. You bring the person back to sitting quietly so that they can start to begin to have that sense of aha this is available. So there's different kinds of exercise. I have no idea where I am on my thing. So the more important piece here is our mind creates thoughts out of nowhere, like our liver creates enzymes. Don't worry about the origin of the different thoughts. Just don't hook on and make a story out of it. In Buddhism, they talk about Mara, the activated little gal that's out to distract, that's an opportunity for me to ignore. So I put lemon drops in little white bowls on all the tables. Um, what I would like you to do is take one and put it, just hold it. This is a mindfulness awareness um, activity I was trying to think, okay, should it be raisins? Because that's more healthy, but what about the sugar? And I said, well, I gotta travel, let's keep it simple. So hold up the lemon and take a look at it. Don't put it in your mouth yet. Or take it back out of your mouth. 
and look at what you see on the lemon. <laughs> and watch what's happening with your thoughts. And for me, my mouth is already starting to water. So I feel like I'm one of those little salivating characters. Okay, can you hear anything? I can't hear anything. Okay, now put it in your mouth. Don't try to chew it. And what do you notice is happening? Anybody? It's what? It's rough on the outside. Make sounds on the inside of your teeth. What do you notice about your throat? It's sour. By the way, I heard these were the best lemon drops. This gal saw me at a table and she was like, oh, I've been looking for those. Anything else that you notice? Do you have memories coming up from childhood and lemonade? Anything else? It's smooth, yeah. Very quickly it becomes very smooth. This is a mindfulness activity because what it does is it brings your awareness to just that lemon drop. So I'm going to take mine out. You can put it in the bowl or you can put it on a napkin, whatever you want to be able to do it. Mm, tastes good. So that was an opportunity to once again name whether something was pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. So now we're going to move into, this is a survey course, remember? We're going to move into uh, progressive uh, relaxation, muscle relaxation. This is actually a body scan. Um, this is a three-minute activity. If we could get the video to play. It's a very good skill to practice uh, standing in line. Uh, at the bank or when you're waiting at a light, you know, for the light to change. It's a chance to drop into the body because in our Western culture, we do not, most of us live here up. Very few of us are aware of the sensations of our body. And becoming more and more aware, I'm kind of watching them, becoming more aware of our body, we become better communicators to our physicians about what's actually happening. Perfect. So this is three minutes. Welcome to today's mindful moment. A short body scan to let go of any tension and reset. To get started, take a seat, close your eyes, and rest your hands on your knees. Take a moment to just be. We've got nowhere to go and nothing we have to do. Bring your attention to the top of your body, your face. And notice any tension you might be holding in your jaw. Let it go. Moving down to your shoulders, let them hang free. From your shoulders down into your arms, let go of any tightness in your hands. Take your attention now to your stomach. If you're holding any tension there, let it go. Taking the focus down into your legs and into your feet. Let them hang free. Bring your attention to your breathing. Noticing where you feel it most in your body as you breathe in and out. 
Perhaps it's the air going in through your nose. Or as your chest and stomach move with your breath. See if you can notice the exact moment your breath changes from breathing in to breathing out. Gently bring your focus back to your body on your seat. And in your own time, open your eyes. How do you feel now? Sometimes unknowingly we hold a lot of tension in our body and it's only by taking these mindful moments that we notice. It's our small daily actions like completing the five to thrive tools that add up to have a big impact, helping us calm, reset and thrive for our next step. So keep going. You're now one step closer to planting your next tree too. I'll see you back here tomorrow. My five, there it is. Any feedback? Yes. Okay. Oh, I'm by the speaker. Bad, bad, bad. Okay. Um, I'm just going to sit up here for the last little bit because I know I just want to be able to interact with you. Um, I noticed, at least for me, that sitting still was hard. I got really distracted. It only like took three minutes that I was already back on my phone. So I say that just kind of to draw attention to the fact that if you did have difficulty staying in your body, it's normal for it to be hard. And I think Anne would agree that if it's not a normal practice where you do this all the time, it probably feels a little weird and feels a little foreign. In addition to what you're saying, this her phrase about let it go, if it was so easy to just let go of the tension in my jaws, I would have done it. So it's so a couple of interventions that people can do when we have like um, a pit in our stomach. You can use a color, um, color it. You know, it's black or it's yellow or it's green or whatever the color is, and you can begin to dilute it so that that you're you're literally expanding the attention where that pit is, so that it begins to soften around the edges, and then expanding it further out. So you're diluting the color. You can also do that with body temperature. You know, so if something's really hot, you can begin to cool it down as like an ice cube melting. So bringing a sense of heat towards that coldness. We really do have a lot of strength in our brains to be able to do these kinds of things. Anybody else have any other ideas? Yes, sir. Very good. So, Anne, I'm going to just restate for yes, our thank virtual you. audience. Um, so, what I heard Jack say was just that he was explaining that he's been focused just very specifically on reducing, like, the tension in your jaw and like listening for that noise in your head, um, like the tinnitus or tinnitus, however you pronounce it, um, that kind of ringing in your ears and just kind of focusing in on reducing the tension and then at the same time noticing the noise, kind of that rushing noise or that, that uh, tinnitus feeling, that ringing, just slowly diminishing over time. And I think that um, maybe what I would pull from that is just that when you focus on something very specifically, your brain is able to kind of reallocate its resources in some ways. Um, 
like I know visualization is something that I used to get really caught up in my head about. Like when I would meditate, my, my therapist would be like, so you just need to envision this and envision this. And I'm like, I don't know if I see it yet. Like, so just, just knowing that like it really, it takes, it takes kind of some time, but just, just letting that kind of, I, I guess that inner imagination, that inner child, and just using those visualization things, they don't have to be complicated. I mean, you could, you could envision color, you can envision, I mean, what's some other examples, Anne, of like things that they could visualize, like hot, cold, I mean, you could envision a place, you could envision the waves of the ocean, like. Well, two things, one for the tinnitus or tinnitus, um, an audiologist said to put on white noise. So I put on um, Nights of the Sound, Sounds of the Night at night on Google, and it makes cricket sounds, and, da, da, da. and that's supposed to quiet. I don't think it helps me that much on my tinnitus, but it does help me just kind of let go. I, I'm less focused on it. Obviously, I have it in that ear. But the other, how I started all of this interest in the mind and the effects on the body, when I was a little girl, um, I had a very bad toothache on a weekend, of course, and no ice in the freezer. And the pounding pain in my tooth, I made up a story about these little characters, Walt Disney, of course, Walt Disney being um, these miners on these little carts that would come through and pound with their pick onto whatever that was. And I, then I became so wrapped up in the story that the pain was not of interest to me anymore. It takes a little work, but that's what we need in these kinds of situations. So, okay, so we have another video. This, what I'll say about this three-minute candle meditation, this is how, actually how I started. How are we doing on time? You're good, you're good. Not yet, thank you. Okay. Um, the three-minute candle meditation, um, through the years I've used this with a lot of clients when I was practicing, and just to short trip the questions that would be frequently asked is, does it matter if I focus at the top, to the sides, to the bottom, to the waving flame? It doesn't matter. The whole point is just to focus. So let's see what happens for you. Whoops. Uh, thank you.
Thank you. So I'm going to move us along. So um, on the walking, there's a lot of talk now, especially since uh, the pandemic, about how important it is to be getting out and walking. Of course, it would be better if we're walking with other people, but if we're not, we can use walking as a form of meditation. Um, just in meditation retreats, one would sit 45 minutes, and then it's alternating back and forth for 11 to 12 hours. The second one is walking where you're focused on a pattern and you're repeating the same 10 steps and turning around and going back. And what you're doing is becoming very present within the body and feeling the sensations. And it will bring on what they call the theta state of the brain. And so it's about being able to drop in further and further. Walking and just noticing the canopy of the trees will help you focus without having thoughts. This is about the different types of walking. Uh, meditating at work, uh, people that I was seeing when I was working was using what's called a mnemonic device and that is uh, taking a little blue dot or maybe a red dot, whatever works for you. It could be a star, who knows. And you just pepper it around your uh, environment, not in a way that's going to call attention to you, but in a way that will call attention for you to be able to take a deep breath. So every time I see that blue dot, I remember to drop in, drop my shoulders, stand up a little straighter. Um, I was on a retreat at one point down at UC uh, Santa Barbara, and the meditation retreat was separate from what was going on on the campus, and the monks all said that, oh, every time a bell goes off, you have to stop and drop in for a mindful moment, irrespective of whatever's going on. What they didn't know was that the bell of the university goes off every 15 minutes. So there was a lot of stopping. So I'm going to move us on because I'd like us to get to the point where I can talk about, I'm gonna skip this, because I'm kind of sensing there's a time limit. We're getting close. So I'm gonna skip the, uh, so loving kindness meditation. I've been, I joined a group about a year and a half ago where it's been an ongoing group for two years and I've told several people in here, I cannot say enough about how much of the positive effect of showing up every day at 5 o'clock for 30 to 45 minutes has done for me. Um, just carrying me through these stages where there's more medical stuff going on, things are more serious, and that I show up, we do a check-in uh, for 15 minutes at most, and then um, we have three patients with cancer in the group, 15 of us total, uh, we're on Zoom, People are all over the United States and in Mexico, and we come back every day at 5 o'clock. I don't do it when I'm traveling. I don't do it when I'm out on a date with my husband, and now we have puppy class. But I would say I'm there out of 30 days. I'm there about 25 days. So we will say these phrases for every single patient, and we will also say the phrases for the care providers, our spouses, and we say the, uh, for the family members that drop in, the neighbors that drop in, and we um, <clears throat> excuse me, say it also for the medical providers uh, and their staff, those seen and unseen, so that everybody's getting support around the blessings that we want their benefit for them helping us. Um, the literature that supports this kind of stuff, um, of course, I had to do my research. There's four factors. There's intensity, frequency, which is feeling multiple times a day of gratitude. There's the span, feeling gra gratitude for uh, those around us in multiple ways, and having density for recognition of how many people are here to help us get through what we're going through. So I've combined the gra gratitude and the metta at the same place because they are related. Um, 
a prayer group because there are people that want to have the prayer groups accounted for as well. What the research supports on prayer groups is directing attention to healing energies, having that attention permeate the bodies for physical revival, working while being with other people, the social support for us social animals, briefly talking about the disease, making sure that everybody has room on, at the table, talking about their intentions, my willingness to, I have a new focus of wanting to do um, sitting meditation multiple times a day instead of just once a day, uh, working with my beliefs, joining others with healing attention. And one of the pieces out of the research that was underscored is not to be praying for a specific outcome, like heal this cancer. It's more about generalizing it out. So the resources. I don't know. Yeah, you guys can read those resources. So these are available. The mindfulness-based stress reduction that was spoken of earlier, you can ask your medical physician for a prescription to be whether, as to whether or not your insurance company will pay for the eight-week course. I know that in our town, um, just as an aside, medical insurance will not pay for the first session um, because the first session you're evaluated as to whether or not it's an appropriate fit for you. So just know that. But um, the research does support mindfulness-based stress reduction. You will learn um, meditation, yoga, and body scan, which is a little bit of what we did today. Um, that's been around since the 70s, so there's lots of good work around that. Um, Netflix is showing more uh, documentaries on mindfulness. Um, they also are showing a really good program, uh, I think it's three sessions, on Blue Zones, which would piggyback on the presentation early, just an hour ago. And the phone apps, 10% app is very good. Dan Harris uh, is a big name nowadays for um, really wanting more and more people to do mindfulness awareness. And that was more of the resources. And of course, we always want to put in the 988 for crisis and suicide. Brushing your teeth, how are you going to incorporate it? Okay, so we have a handout. Melody's going to pass out papers to each one of you. And while she's doing that, in the guise of time, this is all of one article, <clears throat> excuse me, that I highlighted, went into the wellness definition and how to be able to um, kind of pull everything, all of our good skills. If we did everything that the gentleman that just spoke and added meditation, of course, I'm a little biased, we will be singing through our doctor's visits. It's the truth. I've had my medical doctor eight plus years and three times. He's turned around and looked at me and goes, what are you doing? I am class two and my mother died of this. So um, a really positive comment when I met a, a different doctor Thursday, he said, obviously your immune system is really working well to take care of the challenges that we have in my body. So <clears throat> I think this article is pretty self-explanatory. It covers all of the pieces. The most important is that we are 100% responsible for whatever's going on with our body and that we have to set boundaries with other people to remind them that it's up to me to do my best job. Thank you. Thank you so much, Anne. Um, can you guys, everybody can hear me okay, fine. Um, I wanted to just add another free resource that I found this year that I think you probably would love. I don't know if I've shared this with you, but it's heartfulness.org. And they actually have heartfulness. They're just, it's kind of co-meditation um, where you can go and you can actually sit with someone who is a free, like they just provide it as a public service. Uh, but there are heartfulness trainers out there who they basically teach you and show you and meditate with you. 
Um, so that was a question that I had for you, Anne, is that, I, and I think you've kind of alluded to this a little, but I wanted to just directly ask the question as maybe our one final question for the day. Um, do you feel like there's a benefit to the meditation alone versus in a group? And kind of, you know, do you feel like there's room for both in the research that you've done? Well, I do both. Yes, you do both. So I've sure. got, I'm, I'm a member of two groups, um, and I meditate every day on my own. So I think there's, um, the whole issue around doing it with a group is that you are not alone. Your body picks up messages mm -hmm. and kind of sings with everybody else's body that, oh, we're in this together. I'm not alone. And if I spoke to someone last night who identified herself as an introvert, and I tend to be that way too. I have to make myself get out there and be with other people. So I think that's a benefit. I was going to say something else. Oh, there are, if you Google, <clears throat> there's a gentleman named Frank Osanka. He wrote a couple of different books. And Joan Halifax, who run a group every day for free. And you can get in on their website and do a 7 AM meditation with them. There's lots of groups around the United States that that's their donation back to community is if you want to be able to meditate with other people and you don't necessarily know them. No, I think that's so powerful. And that's actually just kind of what I was getting to too is that there, I've just noticed that there's kind of a, it's like pros and cons to both. Like you can, you can drop into that meditation sometimes easier when you're with a group of people um, versus when you're by yourself. But then when you're with a group of people, sometimes it's distracting. So, I mean, there's just some levels of things. So um, we are going to go ahead and conclude this session. And if it's okay with you guys, I mean, if you absolutely need to take a break, then take a break, run to the restroom, feel free. But I think we're going to try and just run right into our next session if we can. So um, thank you guys for participating. Thank you, Anne, so much for your time. Thank you so much for joining us today on the I Believe podcast, brought to you by Castle Biosciences. Please be sure to subscribe, and if you're so inclined, send this episode over to friends, family, and share on your social media to help spread awareness around OM. If you have a moment, leave us a brief review or consider making a donation to the links in the show notes to keep our podcast going. Feel free to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Acure Insight. We'll see you next time on the I Believe podcast.